Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 236. Cancer, heart disease, diabetes, so many of our chronic diseases are caused by our diet and lifestyle and environmental factors. The ultimate goal is to create an environment internally and an internal environment where cancer cannot thrive. Do everything in your power to heal. Take massive action to change your life. That's exactly why we do this show, Chris. Yeah. I think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah. No, just kidding. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're out. Mic drop. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Happy holidays, Susie. Happy holidays, Ellie. <laughs> the time is here. It's such a great time of year, and we are kicking off the holiday in style with an extremely inspirational story from someone I have personally been following for years. He's the man behind the brand, Chris Beat Cancer, Chris Wark. But first, Susie, let's remind everyone about our holiday gift guide, where Food Heals Nation can get last-minute gifts at amazing discounts. From brands like Addictive Wellness Chocolate, Organifi, Banish Skin Care, so much more. Susie, you're giving a whopping 20% off any products purchased from CBD Fountain. Tell us more. That's right. Introducing you to my product line, CBD Fountain. So go to www.cbdfountain. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS for 20% off anything that includes the gift sets that I've curated and already discounted for you. If you want to share CBD with a loved one, we have a facial care set. We have a intro set with a tincture and a body lotion and a lip balm. We have lots of good stuff. 20% off. Use the coupon code FOODHEALS and you get free shipping off $100 spent. So there you go. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Amazing. Thank you for that, Susie. I love your products. I am obsessed with CBD. It's so healing. It's very healing. It's really nourishing for your skin. It actually alleviates pain, whether you rub it on or you take it internally, depends on. Well, what you're dealing with is how you want to either rub it on or eat it or vape it. So if you guys have questions, go to our Facebook group and just type in whatever you need to know and I'll, I'll do my best to help you. But it really is. It helps your body fix itself. It helps with, it's very anti-inflammatory, very antioxidant. We talk all about this in the CBD episode, but it, it works through your nerve cells and it helps your body regulate homeostasis. It regulates normalcy, which is what, so that basically means it just helps keep you healthy. If there's something to fix, it helps your body fix it. If you're healthy, it just keeps you healthy. It's amazing stuff. Yeah. So CBD helps your body heal itself, which is what we're all about here on the podcast. So 
Make sure that you get it at cbdfountain.com and download your free gift guide with all of our discounts at foodhealsnation.com slash gift guide. Next up, our interview with Chris. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. He's a cancer survivor, author, podcast host, blogger, speaker, health and cancer coach, and an all-around wellness warrior. Please welcome Chris Wark. Welcome, Chris. Hi, ladies. Hi, it's so great to have you. <laughs> it's great to be with you in LA remotely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're in LA, but I'm not. Oh. Yeah, nobody thought about it until it was too late, but I, right, I'm in LA too right now. <laughs> Next time we will definitely have to have you both in person because it's so much fun. But Chris, like I was telling you right before we get started, I've been following your work for about eight years now, and I'm really impressed with what you're doing and the stories you're sharing and how you're helping people. But can you take Food Heals Nation back to the beginning of how you got started with your book and your brand, Chris Beat Cancer? Yeah. So in 2003, I was 26 years old, and I was a professional real estate investor, flipping houses and buying rental property and a musician. So like playing shows and very busy (laughs) between those two things, like sort of like juggling two passions. I started having having abdominal pain and it was just kind of a weird, deep and vague, like aching pain that would come and go. And then sometimes it would be like a little bit of a sharp pain here and there. But it wasn't like a steady, like, unrelenting pain, right? And because it would come and go, I just kind of thought, oh, like, oh, what is that? Ah." And then, you know, a little later, I have any pain, you know? So it was just this weird intermittent pain. And I put it off for many months, just kind of like, I don't know, maybe hopefully it'll get better. I don't know, maybe I have an ulcer. But it didn't get better. Uh, Eventually, it started to really get pretty bad towards the fall, you know, the end of 2003. And I eventually went and got a colonoscopy uh, because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And um, when I woke up after the procedure, they said, look, you've got a golf ball sized tumor in your colon, your large intestine. And we took a biopsy and we're going to send it to the lab. Hopefully it's not colon cancer. Day or two later, I got the call and they said, it is colon cancer. Oh, Wow. Yeah, not not a great day. No. <laughs> <laughs> not a great day. And, you know, cancer diagnosis, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, I mean, a lot of us in the community, it's, it's sort of like, you know, there's BC. It's like the life of Christ, you know. It's like BC is before cancer and AD is after diagnosis because it really just cuts a dividing line. It's like two chapters in your life. It was a total shock. Never had any family history. Didn't know anybody with, that had been through cancer, really. And you were uh, so young. You were, yeah, yeah in your 26. 20s, right? yeah. 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 I mean, 26, you're not thinking about cancer. Or, you know, no. I mean, I'd been married for two years, just had our two year anniversary, like a month, couple months before that. What is my life going to be? How many birthdays do I have left? Am I going to even see 30? Is this my story? You know, like, vicious young guy got cancer, died very young. Sad story, right? Mm. Yeah. So, um, like most cancer patients, uh, I was pretty clueless and they, and they rushed me into surgery. They said, uh, look, we got to get this thing out of you before it spreads and kills you. So I'm like, okay, like whatever you say, yeah, who's, who's going to argue with that? Yeah. It's like, uh, okay, doc. 
And it was like two days before Christmas on top of all that, right? Oh so my I'm like, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they wanted to get me in surgery like the day before Christmas, like literally the next day. They're like, we can get you, we want to get you in and get you scheduled. And, and I was like, hey, like, can we just, can I not be in the hospital on Christmas? This is already depressing enough. Right. And so they're like, yeah, you can, that's fine. So I, I went in on December 30th, which was about a week and a half later. They took out a third of my large intestine. They took out this tumor, which was, you know, in that area. And when I woke up from the surgery, they said, uh, well, it's worse than we thought. Oh, my God. Yeah. We were hoping it was stage two. And it turns out it's stage 3C, which means it was, you know, it's left the tumor, it's in your lymph nodes, it's spreading, it's on its way to your liver, your lungs, or whatever. Uh, you're going to need 9 to 12 months of chemotherapy. What? Yeah. I thought chemo was like a month tops or like a, a shorter oh, no. 9 to oh, 12 no. months. Yeah. My mom was on chemo for two years. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it can go on and on and on. And that's just the first round, right? Like nine to 12 months and then we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm in the hospital. I'm super doped up. I can't even really process. I mean, I've only known that I've had cancer for like a week. I mean, This is crazy. This is such a mind like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole world's turned upside down and I just don't even understand what's happening to me or what to think about it. Or any of that. And plus now I'm like on heavy pain medication, right? So anyway, but I was just like, okay, like I guess this is my life and I'm going to be a chemo patient. And then I, I was, you know, just sort of accepted that that was my future. But there were a couple things that happened in the hospital that <laughs> got me thinking a little bit differently and started, started me on, you know, a new track. Uh, what were those? The, there were some clues, <laughs> red flags. So, <laughs> some, some breadcrumbs? <laughs> yeah, some breadcrumbs. So the first one was the very first meal that they served me in the hospital. I knew uh, it was going to be the food. Uh-huh, wait, keep going. I'm sure it was like dark leafy greens and fresh veggie juices. And No, what was yes. it? <laughs> and ki- it was quinoa salad. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a sloppy Joe. Oh, brilliant. Sloppy you, Joe. I'm sorry. Are you fucking kidding me? A sloppy no. Joe. <laughs> no. The crap that they serve to kids in like bad elementary school. Like, I remember seeing that in the elementary school line and my mom would send me with a sandwich of like, you know, with vegetables on it. And I know. Ne- wow. Okay. So sloppy <laughs> yeah. Joe. The sloppy Joe, which is, which is funny because like you said, uh, you know, nobody likes sloppy joes. You can't get no. one in a restaurant because nobody likes them. No, and I know. The only place you can get a sloppy joe is maybe in an elementary school cafeteria, definitely in the military, and yes. definitely, definitely in prison. Yes. Oh my God. Right? You can definitely yep. get a sloppy joe in the lunch line at prison on Tuesdays. <laughs> and apparently the hospital. <laughs> and if you're, if you're lucky enough to have cancer, and in the hospital, they will serve you a sloppy joe. So, so anyway, they serve me the sloppy joe, and I'm like, Wait, "Did you eat it?" Yeah. Oh, okay. I did. I was really hungry. I hadn't eaten yeah. in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. The pain you had, to, you had to fast the day before surgery, right. and then right. I was like out cold for a whole day with the surgery oh. and the drugs. So yeah, I was hungry, but I was looking at it, just going like, "Oh, like why are they serving this like to, this to sick people?" Right. 
Like, why are they serving this to cancer patients? Like, this doesn't even make sense. And the irony of it all, as bad as it is, because people have made jokes about hospital food for decades, right, of how terrible it is. Red meat is a group two human carcinogen. Right. That's from the World Health Organization. So that means it's it's a probable cancer cause, or there's a sufficient body of research linking red meat consumption to cancer, specifically colon cancer. And that's what they are feeding the colon cancer patient after surgery. (laughs) You know, it's like, how clueless can we be? Of course, I didn't know that back then. Now, apparently uh, a lot then. Apparently we can be very clueless. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, so that was the first kind of little crack in the foundation. You know, the other thing that happened was the day they told me I could go home, my surgeon came in to check on me and he said, we were having a conversation and I said, Hey, are there any foods I need to avoid? Cause I, you know, I just didn't want to eat the wrong thing and mess it up like hot sauce or like, you know, or Doritos too sharp. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) whatever you eat is going to pass through there. So I didn't want to mess it up. They just literally pulled my guts out, cut a section out, sewed them back together. Right. So he says, no, just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh my God. What? Wow. Okay. That was it. That was like his catchphrase. I could tell he said it to everybody. Like it was, yeah. it was like, like, this is what I say. Zinger. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was it. Like I thought maybe he would have some kind of digestive health wisdom to share with me. Like, no. So, so pretty soon I'm like connecting the dots here. Like the medical industry has no interest in nutrition at all. No. It's just not a part. Like, this is weird. To, and I'd never been in the hospital. I'd never been sick, never had health problems, you know. And I grew up in a household where my mom was pretty health conscious. Not like today's moms, right? Not like super hardcore crunchy moms. But for the 80s, she was pretty health conscious. She shopped at little hole-in-the-wall health food stores. And we always had little stuff like wheat germ and sprouts and kefir and like, you know, mm-hmm. whole wheat bread. And, and this you got to stir it up, peanut butter, you know, like stuff yes. like that. I had but, that too. Yeah, but I still ate tons. I mean, you know, it was very hard to convince my mom to buy like sugary cereals. So she was always buying like frosted wheat or whatever instead yeah. of Lucky Charms, <laughs> you know, stuff like frosted that. So, mini wheats. Yeah, like I could get those. Those were allowed because it was whole wheat, even though it was loaded with sugar. But I couldn't get like the Lucky Charms. So anyway. Your mom did a, did a good job considering. Yeah, she really was doing, the, yeah. doing her best. And she comes back into the story in a big way in a second. So... I go home from surgery. I'm sleeping on the couch because it was easier to get up and down. And I instinctively wanted to get off the pain meds, like just within a couple days. I was just like, didn't like being doped up. It didn't feel good. And then I learned years later that opioid-based pain medication actually can promote metastasis, which is not good. But no one's told that. Cancer patients aren't told that. I'm sobering up and I'm thinking about my life and my future and how much time I had left what my story was going to be. And I'm thinking about chemotherapy, you know, like that's the next thing, like it's coming, right? It's like, here comes, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. It's almost like the only thing I can equate it to is like, if you're like drafted into the army and you know, like in three weeks, they're shipping you off to war. Just like your whole life is about to change so dramatically and you don't even know what to expect. You can't prepare. No, you can't prepare and you know, it's going to be rough. Like, you know, it's going to be bad and there's going to be suffering. Like it's coming. And I thought about like, am I I probably going to lose all my hair? I'm already super skinny. I'm going to lose more weight. Like, am I going to become like a skeleton kind of chemo patient that like I've seen out in the world? 
you know, like what, what is going to become of me? And it was pretty scary. I mean, the idea of poisoning my way back to health didn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And, and I'll, I'll give them credit. There's some value to certain types of chemo drugs. We can talk about it. But I instinctively knew I was sick, right? Like, I'm sick, and I want to build my body back up. Like, I don't want to tear it down more. And I felt so weak and vulnerable already that I just something was just telling me this is not for you. Yes. You know? And, like that inner guidance mixed with common sense. Yeah, right. Instincts, intuition, common sense. Like all of those things were kind of swirling around in my head and in my heart. And so uh, my wife and I prayed about it, you know, so it's like, God, like, I need help. Like, what do I do? This doesn't make sense if there's, I, I, but I don't know what to do. And I just said specifically, if there's another way besides chemotherapy, will you please show me? Just a sincere prayer, just asking for help. So two days later, a book shows up in, uh, on my doorstep. This was sent to me from a friend of my dad's who lives in Alaska. And I live in Memphis, Tennessee. So I get this book and I start reading it. It was all about healing with nutrition. The guy who wrote it had healed his own colon cancer with nutrition. What book was it? That book's called God's Way to Ultimate Health. Okay, okay. And so I'm like... And, and it's a good book, but there's some, some information there is is not correct and, you know, is outdated and we know a lot more now. But what that book did for me was it opened my eyes to realize, I mean, the, probably the biggest thing it taught me was that cancer, heart disease, diabetes, so many of our chronic diseases are caused by our diet and lifestyle and environmental factors, right? Like environmental toxins. Yep, that's that's exactly why we do this show, Chris. Yeah. Exactly what you just said. I know. I know. I think we're, do- I think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah. No, just kidding. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're out. Mic drop. <laughs> so that was like a mind blower to me because I'd never had any, you know, health problems before. So I never, I never thought about it. Like just, just didn't think about health, disease, nutrition, healing, any of those things. And so I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. What that means is this might be my fault. Maybe the way I'm living is killing me. And if that's true, then maybe I can change the way I'm living and I can help myself heal. If my body created this, maybe my body can heal it. And did you start feeling empowered? Were you scared? What were you feeling at this time? (laughs) Oh, I felt, I had, I had all the feels. I felt all the feelings. (laughs) <laughs> I was sitting on my couch. I was like a couple chapters into this book and I just started crying. Like I just started to cry by myself on the couch because I knew I was so overwhelmed by gratitude because I knew this was the answer to my prayer. I knew this is what I needed to learn and I needed to understand, right? In order to help myself survive, like I had to take responsibility for my health and my situation. And so I was, yes, I was super empowered and excited. This particular book was basically saying, look, you need to get on a raw food diet and you need to start juicing carrots. That was this guy's nutritional advice. And that's what he did to heal himself. And so I'm like, man, if it worked for this guy, maybe it'll work for me. I mean, he's human. I'm human, you know. It can't hurt. Carrots yeah. can't kill you. It's not going to kill me. It won't it hurt can me turn you sure. orange though. And it did. <laughs> did it you turn abs- orange? Because I turned oh, yes. orange once. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But we'll get to that. 
I'm wired in a certain way that we're like, when something clicks with me, like I don't need any more information. I'm just like, I got it. I'm going to do this now. Some people really like to read and analyze and research and think like, you know, and that's fine. Those are analytical types and I'm more of a driver. So I'm just like, give me a tiny little something. If it makes sense to me, I'll do it. So um, overnight I was like, I'm doing this raw food diet work. work, And I called my wife up. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. I got this book and this guy healed his colon cancer. He had a, he had a raw food diet and he was juicing and like, we got to get a juicer. And you know, I'm just probably talking 90 miles an hour and my wife's at work, you know, and sitting in a cubicle, like going, (laughs) what are you like? What? Right, right. You know, like she's like in the middle of working on some stupid spreadsheet, <laughs> literally. And she's like, uh, okay, uh, you're still doing chemo, right? And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I, I don't know. It just it doesn't, doesn't make sense and blah, blah, blah. So we get off the phone. Then other family members start calling because my wife's family is telekinetic. So like if you tell one person something, they all know. Right, right. Right. They all just know immediately. Phone chain goes into action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't have to call each other. They just all know. (laughs) (laughs) So then my phone, the phone starts ringing, you know, and, you know, family members are calling. Chris, we heard you thinking about not doing chemotherapy. You need to understand how serious it is. This is, you've got to do what the doctors say. You know, you've got to do chemo. Don't you think if there was something better, they would know about it? And, you know, I know somebody who tried alternative therapies and they died. This is my life story. Oh my God. Yes. Continue. Yeah. But, you know, they're asking me these questions and throwing all this stuff and I didn't know how to answer any of this stuff. Right. But you're just like going with your gut and you're like, I, I can't argue with you, but I believe in this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm only on chapter three of this book. Can I get back to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, let me, let me try to learn some more stuff and then maybe I can defend what makes so much sense to me. So, uh, but the problem, you know, problem that was common to me is common to almost every cancer patient. Like your instincts are telling you like, this is bad. Like these treatments are dangerous and toxic. And like, I don't want to do this, but you're told you have no other option. And everyone around you says you have no other option. You know, cancer patients say like, well, what choice do I have? I have no choice. This is the only thing I could possibly do to help myself survive. That's what they believe or they're led to believe. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened to us when my parents got sick, both having cancer, one after the other, and every single oncologist, doctor, first opinion, second opinion, third opinion, and the opinions of every single family member, friend, everyone that reached out was, you have to do it this way. There's only one way. Nutrition is BS, and that's it, and mm-hmm. they believe it, and mm-hmm. there was no other options, and this was only... Uh, how long has it been now? This is only like 12 years ago and there was mm-hmm. no other options even offered to them. That's why people are going this direction. But luckily people like you start to think, hmm, maybe there's a better way. And experiment on yourself for the education of the rest of us. For, for the good of the masses. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there I was with this harsh reality, painful reality that everyone around me didn't understand. And thought I was wrong and being stubborn and hard-headed and that I was making a mistake and I was being foolish. And that's really tough. It's really tough when everyone that you love and the people closest to you are like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. Because I'm like, I prayed. I got this answer. I know it was an answer. I have no doubt in my mind. Everybody's like, nope, nope, it's not. (laughs) 
<laughs> but then my mom comes comes back into the picture. So I, I called my mom or started talking to her about what I was thinking about doing. And she was like, oh, yeah, I think, you know, I think you should do that. I think that'd be a really good idea. And my mom had this huge library of books written about healing every disease, like naturally. She had the giant collection of health food store books. She'd been buying since the 70s. She had the original rebounding book by Al Carter. She had all the Paul Bragg books. She had Pavo Arola, Dr. Richard Schultz. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she had all these books on raw food and healing cancer and alternative cancer therapies and like alternative medicine, like just stacks. And <laughs> and I was like, she had never been sick. She's just a lifelong learner, loves to read and just would read two or three books a week. And yeah, just sta- saved all these books up for me, basically. Didn't realize that's what she was doing, but she was saving them all up for me. And it was like such another divine miracle in the, in my story. And so my mom supported me in the beginning, but nobody else did. And again, I don't want to make anybody look bad. They all love me, but they just didn't understand. And it was mostly my wife's side of the family. Well, it's out of fear for you, right? Like they think this is what we know about healing and health and cancer. And and that's what you should do. Yep. Don't, don't listen to anybody. The doctors know, even though their success rate is, I don't, I don't want to uh, yeah, it's questionable. I, I can tell you the success rate. But yeah, so the, right, the doctors know best. And, you know, my wife's family is very conventional, right? They go to the doctor for everything. And my family, like, we hardly ever went to the doctor for anything, you know? So there was definitely a difference there. So I was born at home, just to give you an idea, like mm-hmm. home birth, 1977. So <laughs> I bought a juicer that day or the next day. I loaded up on fruits and vegetables. And I went 100% raw vegan, like wow. just immediately because chemo or no chemo, I just knew like, I got to do this. And I was excited to find out, to see what would happen if I started just like overdosing on fruits and vegetables, because I was eating a standard American diet before that. Tons of meat and dairy, tons of processed food, junk food, diet, not Diet Coke, Dr. Peppers, you know, like mm-hmm. Snickers, like whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, never had a weight problem, never had health issues. I was just like a junk food connoisseur. So I just thought, wow, this makes so much sense. Like what, you know, I, should, I need to get back in harmony with nature. And I believe that God created the earth for us and that everything we need comes from the earth. Like it's all here for us. We don't need anything in, in a package, in a bottle, in a can, in a box. Right. Everything we need comes from the earth. And so that just made so much sense to me and I got excited about it. So I converted overnight and I don't want to leave that cancer statistic out. So the cancer statistic that I learned years later that is the most shocking, I think, of in all of cancerdom, and no one knows this, nobody's talking about it, but it is legit. And it's this, the overall cancer death rate, which is the purest form of measure when we're talking about like the success of the cancer industry, right? Have they lowered the death rate? They've only lowered the death rate, the overall death rate by 5% since the 1950s when chemo was introduced. The rate of growth and technology in every other industry is at hundreds of thousands of percentage just higher than that. So how are we not making any strides in this area? Mega crazy hundreds of billions of dollars spent 
and they've lowered the death rate on average by 5%. And if you want to drill down further, they've only really made progress in three types of cancer, testicular, the lymphomas, and childhood leukemia, and some adult leukemia. But for solid tumor cancers, which is, you know, most cancers, right? Brain, colon, lung, liver, ovarian, cervical, pancreatic, solid tumor cancers, they've had abysmal, abysmal progress, almost 0% improvement in the death rate in over 50 years. It's absurd. It's crazy. It's, it's criminal is what it is. It's bad. It's, it's really bad. The war on cancer was declared in 1971. All the academics and yeah, pretty much agree. We lost the war, but losing has never been more lucrative. Right. And therein lies the problem. You see, yeah. the problem is treating cancer generates billions of dollars in revenue every year. And it doesn't matter if people live or die. It doesn't matter, right? Because the money is still coming in. Well, sick care makes money. Yeah. If you get someone healthy, you're not going to make any more money off of them. So the sicker you keep them, the more treatment that they need, they're a patient for life. Yep. And that's the pharmaceutical industry business model is, you know, they want customers for life. And in terms of treating cancer, I know you know this, thousands, I mean, no, it's not even, it's hundreds of thousands of published studies on nutrition, you know, anti-cancer compounds and food, herbs, you know, supplementation, all kinds of things. And, And yet more research than you could ever read published it just sits there being ignored because you can't monetize nutrition. Carrot juice. <laughs> no, you can't monetize blueberries, broccoli, green tea, garlic, lemons, like <laughs> carrot juice. You can't make money with nutritional advice. You can't make money with diet and lifestyle modifications. There's no money profit. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, it's a big conspiracy. It's just basic capitalism, right? These are giant yeah. corporations. The only thing they're interested in is the next billion dollar blockbuster drug. And the sad thing is, is they only have to improve survival by a small percentage to make billions of dollars. So they just have to make a drug, come up with a new drug that works just a little better than the current drug. And it's a mega billion dollar success, right? Can we we talk a little bit about this whole theory of the war on cancer? Because this, to me, is so, I don't know what word I want to use, annoying and fascinating and at the same time I think needs to change because God bless all these people that do the marches for for a cure. You know, when I think of cancer and what I know, and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but I was a, a super nerd in high school and college and I was fascinated with biology. And from what I understand or what I what I think is that they have these buzzwords and they have these marches and they raise money and it all goes to cancer drugs or, you know, to, to big pharma. But there's many things that contribute to cancer, right? Your diet, environmental factor. We just talked about this air, water, positive, mm-hmm. negative thinking, stress, diet being probably one of the biggest factors, right? Is that with all these things that cause cancer, we don't look at that. We say, there's a war on cancer and go to big pharma. We don't talk about, well, wait a minute, what are you putting in your food? What's in your water? And it gets me kind of confused as to how do I, I think that's part of the problem. And I know that it's coming from a good place, but it's this whole thing of the war on the different cancers. It's like, yeah. well, it's very individuated. So you have to st- do what you did, which is take a step back and take a look at how you're treating your body 
And what can you do to try to combat that? Well, so I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because the military analogy is very, very interesting. And, and it's rooted in the fact that it, came, it really has started inside the cancer industry itself. So what happened is if you tell a patient cancer is a fight, it's a battle, you're a warrior, you're a fighter, right? You are preparing them mentally to suffer. And it's much easier to get them to comply to a treatment in which they will suffer if they believe that they are fighting. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? If you're fighting, then suffering goes hand in hand with a battle. It's right. necessary. So the military terminology comes from the cancer industry, and, and I don't like it at all. I re- actually reject that. Way. I mean, I use those terms sometimes because people relate to them. Easily, I mean, my blog is called Chris Beat Cancer, right? But the reality is it's not about beating it, fighting it, winning, killing it. What it's about is healing, right? This is what we need to do is we need to learn how to heal cancer, not fight it, battle it, beat it. I started my blog in 2010, Chris Beat Cancer. But, you know, the longer, that was eight years ago. But it really forced me to, in just after talking to thousands of patients and really thinking about this a lot. I just realized it's, you don't fight cancer, you heal it. That's the deal. You heal it. And it's all about being gentle with yourself and creating yeah. a loving, supportive life for yourself because all of these things go hand in hand. And so I love this because it's not a battle. And I heard you say in a video that you know cancer cells occur naturally in the body and the body can create cancer and it can also take it away if we give it the tools it needs to do so. So instead of fighting and doing againstness, we can okay, let's tune in with our bodies and give it what it needs so that it has the ability to go ahead and heal itself. That's absolutely right. So here's some more crazy stuff that folks probably have never heard. When a cancerous tumor is one centimeter in size, right? One centimeter, that's pretty small. It has a billion cancer cells in it and it is dumping a million cells a day into your bloodstream. So you have cancer cells, and we all have cancer cells in our bodies. Cells mutate, they get old and defective, and your immune system, especially your natural killer cells, your NK cells, are designed, their job is to find and kill cancer cells in your body. Okay, so there is some killing that happens. Those, and, those are the warriors. Yeah, those, are, the, those warrior. are the warriors. Those are the fighters. And you know what? You know what they do? Actually, it's kind of it's really so elegant. But the process in which they kill cancer cells, many times, it's more like a tap on the shoulder, and it tells them like, "Hey, uh, it's time to die." And the cell is like, "Okay," and the cell commits suicide, apoptosis. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about that. Like the. Isn't there a gene for that where the cell implodes if it turns cancerous? But it, I guess, okay, so ap- yeah, that's what it was, apoptosis. Apoptosis is programmed cell death. And it's, it's, there's like a, basically a genetic switch. And when that switch is flipped the wrong way, the cells don't die, right? So that's really the nature of a cancer cell is it doesn't die. It doesn't know when to die and it keeps reproducing. Uh, so everyone has cancer cells. Your immune system is designed to identify and eliminate them. And the difference between someone with tumors and no tumors is in large part due to their immune system. But we have to keep in mind that your immune system is just one system of many in the body. 
right? So you've got central nervous system, immune system, reproductive system, digestive system, musculoskeletal system, respiratory system, cardiovascular system. So you've got all these systems and they're all connected and they all need to work together. So when you have dysfunction in one or more of them, it affects the others. You can't boost the immune system if you have dysfunction in other systems, right? You have to heal the whole body. It's a top-down process. There's no band-aids. Yeah, head to toe, right? You got to heal it all. If you heal it all, then everything starts working right. And the ultimate goal is to create an environment internally and an internal environment where cancer cannot thrive. That's the goal. But there's two ways to go about it. One way is just inject as much poison as possible. And then it's like, you know, your body's a poisonous environment and cancer cells struggle to survive. But so does everything else. But, but it causes collateral damage. Brain damage, hearing loss, heart damage, liver damage, lung damage, kidney damage, nerve damage. Like, you know, it's just, it wrecks you. Okay. It wrecks your body. I mean, yeah. my parents were both diagnosed with stage four cancer and they were oh looking gosh. and feeling, they were looking and feeling healthy until they started the treatment. And that's when it all went downhill. And people yeah. say, oh, they lost their lives to cancer. Maybe they lost their lives to the harsh treatments that they were putting their bodies through when they, they were already in such a weakened state. Absolutely. More often than not, yeah, treatment is really what's killing people. And in their medical records, in the cause of death, very rarely does it ever say chemotoxicity or heart right. failure due to chemo or liver failure due to chemotoxicity or kidney failure, right? All of these potential organ failures, they just say kidney failure, <laughs> right? Oh, it's just kidney failure, but there's no cancer in their kidneys though, right? So it's in the industry's best interest to sort of dodge the blame that the, the treatments are so harsh that they're really killing patients. And the excuse they use most of the time is that, well, we're extending their life. We're in improving right. their quality of life, which is totally false. Nobody's That's quality totally, of life is better. That could, that could not be more untrue. Every time I hear someone say that, I cringe and I just share my experience because I'm like, not only did I lose both my parents, but I've lost two other people and uh, my old roommate, one of my best friends went through breast cancer. Thank God she's still with us. But um, I've seen five people go through these treatments and all five of them, quality of life was terrible compared oh to when gosh. they were just living with cancer. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, come on, that's not a thing. Uh, my opinion is if, you know, if you're going to die, if you've decided like you don't want to live, you're ready to die, you're much better off letting the cancer take its course because you will suffer much less and you will die much faster. Agreed. Uh, but going through all those treatments to just try to beat the cancer back you suffer for months and months and months. And yeah, you, you know, you may get an extra three months or six months or nine months of life, but it's, it is living hell. And at that point, I mean, in my experience with both of my parents, they get to the point where they no longer want to live and perhaps they wouldn't yeah. have gotten to that point as quickly had they done, well, not only the, taken the natural route, but had they just done nothing and continued to live their life without treatment. So that's something that's really close to my heart. Um, but Chris, we have to finish your story because what happened was you said that you went raw vegan and started juicing. And then I, we know now you're healed because it's almost 10 years Spoiler. later, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert, he made it. But, um, he made it. Yeah. Can so you, can you go through what you did? To yeah. As you can tell, I can talk at length about the industry and the problems and, and it's all in the book. The book really covers the gamut of not only what I did and my story, 
but like all the perils and pitfalls of the medical and cancer industry. And yes. And I'm going to give you a quick shout out. It's the holidays, everyone. This is a gift to give someone in your life who may be suffering, who may be needing to make a decision, who maybe has been recently diagnosed. Give them this gift. It will be the best gift they have ever received because it's education and knowledge that is firsthand experience plus research and years of work that Chris has put into this. You know, Thank you. I, you're welcome. I mean, this is something that anyone in your, even if they, they're not sick, even if they're just interested or getting older and you want to make sure that they stay healthy, this is a great gift. Yeah. And let me just say, I wrote it for two audiences, right? Obviously for cancer patients, but also for anyone who's serious about prevention, because at current estimates, one out of every two men and one out of every three women is going to get diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. So if you aren't serious about prevention, boy, you should be. Yeah. Right. Because you're, you're on track. I mean, it's a coin toss. If you're living the way everybody else lives and eating the way everybody else eats, you might as well flip a coin. If you eat the standard American diet, live in a standard American home with off-gassing environmental issues that you may not even be aware of that are in your community, in your groundwater, you don't know where your food is coming from, you're eating at fast food, you have Mm -hmm. a very high chance. It's not your fault. But when you know better, you can do better. And so when you educate yourself, that's the number one goal of my life, you guys, is not to get cancer because I saw it ravish the two people that I cared about the most in my entire life. And my goal is not to do that. So I'm 100% prevention. Yeah. Drink those vegetables, get them in however you can. Get them in. That's great. So the, back to the story. So I, I adopted raw food diet. I had all this family pressure to go see the oncologist. Like, you know, will you please just go talk to the doctor, see what they have to say. Maybe they have some alternative therapies available. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I, we go to the doctor and the appointment went really bad. In, in hindsight, it was really good that it went bad because the guy basically came in and said, look, you, you know, you, you're, you got young adult colon cancer. It's very aggressive in young adults. You know, normally people don't get it until their fifties or sixties. And you're, you've got about a 60% chance of living five years with treatment, not of being cured, just of mm-hmm. being alive in five years. And I'm thinking, well, 50, 60%, that's pretty close to 50%. 50% is a coin toss. So I'm not really feeling very, you know, encouraged by that statistic. I asked him about the raw food diet. I'd been on it for one week at that time. And he said, no, it'll fight the chemo, which was weird. It'll fight the chemo. Yeah, it'll fight the chemo. Yeah, because it's detoxing you. Because chemo is a toxic substance that is going into your body. And raw food is detoxifying. So we need you to stay on a sloppy Joe diet. Yes, (laughs) we need you to go ahead and up your sloppy Joe intake. Sloppy Joes and beer. Just don't lift anything heavier than a beer. Oh a light God. beer. Just the light One beer. One beer. Light beer. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that joke. Do you know what the oncologist told me? No. All right. I, I said, could guess probably, but You can probably guess, but it is pretty shocking. Uh, Susie, you probably know this, right? Because I'm sure I've said it on the podcast, Food Heals Nation may or may not remember, but Chris... I was told because I was clueless at this time. I was not the food heals guru you see before you. But I said to my oncologist who treated my mother and my father right after one right after another, does nutrition matter? Not only did he say, no, nutrition does not matter, but he said she can smoke if she wants to. <sighs> I knew it. I can't I make it. this up, people. <laughs> no, I knew it. No, and this is so this is not even a surprise to me. Because what I a these- stupid fucking thing to say. We know yeah. smoking causes cancer. Like, what? A- 
Sorry. That pisses me off. I know. In hindsight, the only thing I could say is perhaps that he knew that it was terminal and was like, hey, if it gives her pleasure at this point, it's not going to harm. But Mm -hmm. what a terrible thing to say to a 20-year-old girl who was just trying to figure it out. You know, I don't think he knew better. I don't think he's evil. I just think he's completely unaware and uneducated. And he also had no bedside manner. Well, we've said this before on this show. They're trying to cure cancer, which is take a statistical population of X type of cancer and give them this pill and how many of them get better versus is healing, which we're talking about, which is an individuated, slow, you know, not a fight type of way of dealing with the body. It's just they're not educated in it. So no, there's uh, ignorance and complacency. And what you said too about, you know, he's this is back to the industry bashing for a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) one of the what I feel is borderline malpractice is the way patients are treated by their doctors, even though the doctors aren't bad people, but they're, remember, doctors are fully indoctrinated into a system in med school. I mean, med school is like boot camp. I mean, they break them down mentally, emotionally, and they make them conform. Doctors have the highest. Yeah, physically like, too, right? Because like they make them work sleep, twenty hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're working these crazy shifts, and doctors have the highest rates of suicide of any profession. That's how terrible med school and residency is, and even beyond residency into private practice. So, anyway, uh, so again, I, I want to make sure people don't think I'm attacking doctors because doctors are good people and they're doing their best. But here's the thing that's so tragic is when a patient goes in and they have cancer, one of the first things they ask is like, why, why did I get cancer? What caused, my, what caused this cancer? I don't understand. And the doctors almost always say the same thing. They, they shrug their shoulders and they say, well, we don't know what caused your cancer, but it's, it, it may be genetics or it may just be bad luck. Yeah. So, or in the case of Avita's doctor, she had ovarian cancer. She's one of our frequent guests here over at Food Heals. And he said, oh, honey, if I knew the cause of cancer, I would have the Nobel Prize. But we know the cause of cancer. Yeah. It's multifactorial, but we know what it yeah, is. No, and so that's just completely irresponsible. That, that's why it's malpractice, because we know what's causing cancer. And yet they're telling patients it's either bad luck or bad genes. And what that does to them, what that does to the patient is they're saying in so many words, you are a powerless victim. Yes. It disempowers right. you 100%. Right? You're powerless. So there's nothing you did that contributed to your disease. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to help yourself except show up for treatment. Right. right? We are your only hope. And no, you don't have to change your diet. No, you don't have to quit smoking. Right. And not only that, they send them home with a what to eat sheet with milkshakes and, you know, ice cream and crap like that, right? Because we don't want you to lose too much weight during chemo because food's going to taste bad and you're going to lose your appetite. So make sure you eat these high calorie foods so you don't lose too much weight. It's such a crap. It's terrible. (laughs) It really is terrible. So, okay. Uh, Again, we're rabbit trailing, but it's good stuff. So we go to this appointment. He says, raw food diet will fight the chemo. Which, you know, the guy, obviously, they don't like you being healthy because they feel like if you eat too healthy, it'll help the cancer cells survive. But the truth is, there's all these amazing compounds in fruits and vegetables that are anti-cancer compounds. They strengthen healthy cells and they weaken or kill cancer cells. But they're not trained about nutrition in med school, so they they don't know that. And so... And I said, well, what about alternative therapies? I mean, are there any alternative therapies available? And then he looks at me and he says, no, if you don't do chemotherapy, you're insane. 
Wow. Oh. You're insane now. Now doctors are calling yeah. us insane. So That's what did, wrong. What did you say to that? Nothing. I was just quaking in my boots. I mean, <laughs> he, he had me so terrified and used fear to manipulate me. And, and from that point on in the conversation, he just pulled every trick out of the hat that he knew to tell me if I didn't do what he said, I was going to die. Unfortunately, he's probably getting kickbacks. So he has to be a salesman in this moment. He can't think about your health. He has to think about how he's going to feed his family. And that's through the kickbacks that he's probably well, getting. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. So a couple things about that. <laughs> While he was talking down to me and scaring me, and I was basically like deer in the headlights and everything went kind of blurry and from the stress and fear. One thing he said jumped out in the middle of all the like talking. He said, look, man, I'm not telling you this because I need your business. Oh my God, it's a yeah. business. He fully admitted he, it's yeah, a business. Yeah, it just like slipped out, right? He was like, he was using, that's a sales technique, by the way, called the push away, where you, you know, you kind of like say like, you know, I don't even need to have you as a client, you know, because I'm, I'm so busy. I really don't need any more clients. And they're like, oh, but, oh, it makes me want to work with you even more now. This is sickening. <laughs> this is so sickening. Oh I had a sales job. Like I was trained on, on the push away. It's a, it's a no, you can Google it. You know, it's a sales technique. So, yeah, things got things just went really weird. And despite all the weird stuff he said, I was still so afraid that I left the appointment, like just totally brainwashed, went to the desk, made an appointment to get a port put in in about three weeks and start chemo. And, you know, I walked into that appointment feeling good, feeling confident, excited about the future. And I walked out of there just terrified, hopeless. My faith was shattered. I mean, the cancer clinics for so many patients, it's just a fear factory, right? And they use fear to manipulate patients to say yes to treatment with little to no facts, right? About what the treatment will involve, the suffering, the success rates. They don't know. Patients don't know anything. They don't know anything. They'll send them home with a pamphlet that's not going to get read, right. you know? And they have them sign all these waivers that there's no way they have time to read. And so, right. so I go home and I'm just, I just thank God. I was just, I'm so blessed that I had time to get my wits about me because I had three weeks. I went home and just fired up the juicer. Like, what else am I going to do? And just kept on juicing, eating raw food. And then when that day came to start chemo, I woke up and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Good for not you. Doing it. It's wow. not for me. And it's not for now, right? I just thought, I, this is what I want to do right now. This is what I need to do. Nobody understands me but my mom. <laughs> I did find a naturopath and I also found an integrative oncologist and slowly assembled a support system. And that's very important that you have the support system. So I slowly put one together. And, and really, my wife's attitude changed after that appointment too, because she saw, like she got this inside glimpse at just sort of the ugly side of uh, the cancer industry. Yeah. And we, that was just a peak, you know, it's way uglier. You, right, you've right. seen the full ugliness, you know, having two parents go through treatment. Yeah. And two and friends, two friends. Uh, or three, three friends actually. But yeah. And I'm so glad that you guys got to come to that conclusion together because that can be the hardest part is the feeling of, I want to do something different, whether it's on my, for myself or for my loved one and having no one in your corner. So I'm so glad that she came to that with yeah. you after that appointment. I want to, I want to praise her for a minute too, because, you know, she, she came around, which was great, but also, you know, a couple months, I mean, really right around that time, I was thinking about like, I still don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I'm going to live or die on my terms, right? That was my decision. Like, 
if I'm going to die, I'm going to die doing what I think is best for me, not doing what everybody else thinks. Right. And I'm going to go out swinging. Like I'm going to change my whole life and I'm going to do everything in my power to get well, not just like go to the doctor, get the treatment and cross my fingers. I asked her, I really wanted to be a dad. You know, it's just something I'm like, gosh, I don't know how long I'm going to live. And my life is like ticking away. It feels like, and I just would love to feel what it, know what it is to be a dad. And so I asked my wife what she thought about starting a family. And she did what I think is just one of the most courageous things of anybody I know. And she said, yes, to start a family with me, not knowing if I would even be alive to help raise this child. Oh, I have chills. I have to pause a minute because every time I tell the story, I get choked up at this part because she loved me so much that she was willing to do that. 13 months later, I was back in the hospital, but this time I was holding a little baby girl. Oh, I have all the chills, all the feels. I have a lump in my throat. I don't have the chills. I have a lump in my throat. (laughs) And so, you know, that gave me, I talk about this in the book too, but making plans for the future is so important. In, in terms of survival, like the mind, body, spirit connection is so powerful and you have to plan to live and you have to make plans for the future. And so I was like, this was a big plan. Like I'm going to live, I'm going to raise this baby. And so, yeah. so we had one and then uh, three years later we had another one. I have two little girls. They're 13 and 10 now. And wow. just awesome. They're just awesome kids. And they're like, just bring me so much joy and they're just great. I want to make sure that people, I wanted to give them some really key takeaways, right? As good as I am at telling my story, because I've told it so many times, what's really important that people know is that there are very simple things you can do to help prevent and heal cancer. And remember earlier I said, and you agreed, the, the major causes of cancer are diet, lifestyle, and environment. And there's another big one that no one talks about, which is stress. Only 5% of cancers, give or take, are genetic, which means up to 95% of cancers are caused by our diet. And this is from research. This isn't just Chris's wacky theory from published research. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you have that, you get that cancer, the screening and you have the gene for whatever cancer, it doesn't mean it's going to, those genes are going to turn on. Those turn on or off depending upon how your body is taken care of or not taken care of. You know what I mean? So it's like diet, lifestyle and environment. They flip on good and bad genes. So there's a field of science called epigenetics, which is all about gene expression. And we know that fruits and vegetables flip on anti-cancer genes, which is good. And they turn off cancer-promoting genes. So does exercise. And and environmental toxins flip on cancer-promoting genes in the body. So, again... So does laughter. Oh, laughter and singing. So amazing for your immune system. Both of them boost your immune function. Okay, so specifics now. The recommended amount of fruits and vegetables that you need to eat per day. The best anti-cancer diet, by the way, is a plant-based diet. It doesn't have to be raw, but a plant-based diet is the most potent anti-cancer diet. And the new standard in terms of dietary recommendations for cancer prevention, and not just cancer, heart disease, diabetes, disease prevention, is 10 servings of fruits and vegetables per day. And how big is a serving? Half a cup. So not that much. It's not that much. You can you can have 10 servings in a smoothie. In a smoothie, exactly. Or a salad for lunch, you could have... A giant salad. It's not hard to get 10 servings. You know, it's easy to get 
four servings on a plate. That's no big deal, four to six servings. But yeah, if you throw two cups of berries, a cup of spinach, a couple handfuls of almonds and walnuts, a banana or some dates, some cauliflower and a smoothie, you got 10 servings in there. I mean, it's like, it's pretty easy. Right. And so I went from eating one to two servings of fruits and vegetables per day to eating between 15 and 20 servings of fruits and vegetables every single day, including what I was getting from juices, fresh vegetable juices. And think about it, like there's no way, right, that that isn't going to cause dramatic shifts in your body when you're putting in that much good stuff because fruits and vegetables have antioxidants, enzymes, tons of vitamins and minerals, and then all these amazing phytochemicals, plant compounds that are anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, and so much more, and improve detoxification, all this kind of stuff. So, we can go way down the rabbit hole on all the scientific mechanisms of, of the compounds of fruits and vegetables. But really, the big takeaway is you just need to eat tons of fruits and vegetables every day, 10 servings. So three meals a day, three to four servings per meal, like oatmeal with berries for breakfast, fruit smoothie or a big salad for lunch, big salad or a nice plate of cooked veggies for dinner. You just did it, right? You're good. Yep, yep. And fresh is best. We're not talking about canned vegetables. Fresh is fresh is best. Canned is second best. Right? Canned is okay. Wouldn't you think frozen is second best? Well, yeah. I mean, frozen and canned are not ideal, but they're still better right. than the alternative, which is, you know, like a microwave lasagna or something, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. So of course. for me, the way I think about it is there is definitely good, better, best, but I don't want people to get hung up on little details. So Something I'm always telling our community, our private community is like, don't let the little things get in the way of the big things. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's because people get hung up on these little, oh, if it's, if it, I got to eat perfectly. And if it's not like, oh, I don't want to eat this, these blueberries because they're not organic. Yes, organic is definitely best, but blueberries are still really awesome <laughs> if you can't give them organic. Yes, I agree. And this is how I live my life too. And I'm trying you know, when I first started, I was like, well, okay, I have to eat an anti-cancer diet. So I have to eat all raw fruits and vegetables. And I did that for, I think, almost a whole summer, like two or three months. And I did not feel well. And I realized that for my body, I needed yeah. cooked food and every body is different. So experiment and see what works for you. And don't judge yourself if you're not doing it perfectly because there is no perfect, right. right? And my experience was similar. I was 100% raw for 90 days. And then we added cooked food back in. So I ended up being like 80% raw, 20% cooked. I needed more calories and cooked food is higher in calorie content because you eat more of it. It's easier to digest. And cooking actually makes some foods actually more nutritious, like tomatoes, for example. Yeah, it's interesting. It brings out the yeah. lycopene. So you can research like which fruits and vegetables are better raw or cooked, and then you can experiment with that. Another thing I love is I have my farm box. So every two weeks, a box of veg fruits and vegetables, whatever is local, in-season, and organic from farms around my community – comes in a box and I get to try new vegetables and fruits that I've never even tried before. I have had this week, I don't know why, but the most delicious green mangoes I have ever had in my life. Oh my gosh, we did too. Oh, they're so good right now. That's hilarious that you said that because my wife and I had the best mango we've ever eaten like three days ago. In Tennessee? Yeah, in Tennessee. She just bought it at the grocery store and it was so it just melted in your mouth. I've just, we were both shocked. She was like, I've, you've got to taste this mango yes. right now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? And of course, it wasn't grown yeah. in Tennessee, I'm sure. 
It wasn't. It wasn't a wild organic mango from Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, from the hills of Tennessee, <laughs> from the hill people of Tennessee. No, it was probably from California, straight from my farm box. <laughs> could have been. Could have been. Yes, uh, there's somewhere in South America, maybe. Who knows? But anyway, so the most potent anti-cancer vegetables are the allium and the cruciferous family. I was eating giant salads every day because I figured out, like, I, I don't have time to, to do a whole bunch of raw food recipes and try to figure this out. Like, I just need to, how can I get the most variety of vegetables in my body? And it was giant salads. And so what I learned later was the most potent anti-cancer vegetables are garlic, onions, and leeks. They're at the top. And then right under them is broccoli, cauliflower, kale, cabbage, all the, cruci- the cruciferous vegetables. And of course, peppers and mushrooms are great for your immune system. And there's all these wonderful anti-cancer compounds and spices like cayenne pepper and oregano and turmeric and ginger. So I just started going nuts, like with every anti-cancer fruit and vegetable I could find. Berries are the best in terms of the anti-cancer compounds and fruit. I was making fruit smoothies every day. I was eating giant salads. I was juicing all day, every day. And it was just repeat over and over and over. The same things every day. And I loved it. I felt awesome. We monitored my blood work. We did CT scans. Like I was in the high, high risk zone and everybody was like, oh, like when's it going to come back? You know, it's going to one of these scan, one of these days, he's going to have a scan. There's going to be a new spot, a new lump or bump or tumor or, or more tumors. And what I did, what I succeeded in doing is I made my body a place where cancer could not thrive. And, you know, earlier, this is kind of full circle. Remember, I said there's two ways you can make your body a place where cancer can't thrive. And one is you can poison it, but that usually ends up killing you and only temporarily slows down the cancer. Or you can build it back up and completely change your internal terrain. And you do that through food, through exercise, through stress reduction, and through removing whatever toxic stuff might be in your home or your work environment. And just like systematically rearranging and changing your whole life. And so that's what I did. I don't promote miracle cures or lotions or potions. And it's not what I'm into. I don't like those kind of people. I don't promote quack stuff like that. What I promote and I enthusiastically recommend people do is change their whole life. Do everything in your power to heal. Take massive action to change your life. It's all of those little changes that you make that add up to a big result. It's not the quick fix, like, oh, take the supplement, cure your cancer. Like, that's not it, right? It's take right. all of these supplements, <laughs> eat all of this amazing food, move your body, sweat, get your heart pumping, heavy breathing, meditate, pray, get toxic people out of your life. It's, yes. There's a lot to do. But the good thing is most of what I talk about in the book and talk about in interviews and everything else is... They're simple things. They're not complicated. They're simple things, but you just have to take action. And every single person that I personally know who has done this, not only do they start just healing their cancer and living a cancer-free life, but everything begins to shift in their life from their business to their friendships to their life's mission. It all changes. You have a Mm -hmm. new perspective. You have gratitude. It's like the world opens up to you as you become healthier, you become happier, and you become an all-around better version of the person you were before just because you had to go through this uh, experience. Yeah, making different choices profoundly changes who you are and it changes your future. Your choices determine your future and you can keep making the same old choices and keep getting the same results you're getting, which may not be very good, or 
you can completely choose to eat differently, to think differently, to, to love yourself, to love people around you. And what a, what a difference it makes. Yeah. Across the spectrum in your life. It's really amazing. I'll plug one more thing on my site. I've interviewed, I don't know, 70 plus people. And we're posting new interviews like every week who have healed cancer with nutrition and natural non-toxic therapies. And these are people who've healed all types and stages of cancer, stage four. And they've done it either without conventional treatment or when conventional treatment failed. And those stories are so awesome. And for anybody listening, you will find so much encouragement and inspiration and resources on crispycancer.com. It's a free site. You know, you don't have to pay money. It's like, no, you just go and just like listen and learn from just regular people like me who just decided like to take control of their life. Your story is so inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing it with us today. And I have one last question before we leave you. It is the holiday time. Holidays are coming up quick. What's your number one piece of advice for trying to stay healthy as we can during the holidays with all the temptations around us for unhealthy food and things like that? Yeah, that's great. You know, for me, I can, I'm going to answer it two different ways. One is when I was sick and I was trying to get well, I was 100% committed and I just didn't make any exceptions. No food tastes as good as healthy feels. Yes, that's on my fridge. <laughs> you know? So, and plus, it's like no food is worth like feeding cancer in my body either. I was hardcore; like I would eat before I went out. If we went to a family or friends or a holiday party, I would just eat a big salad or whatever, and I'd be full. And then we go. So when I get there, I'm not hungry. I'm not tempted. And now it's a little different. I still eat a plant-based diet, 99% plant-based. I don't identify as vegan because it's a bit of a dietary identity and it has a lot of baggage that comes with it. And I'd rather just be Chris who eats a plant-based diet. I agree. I say I'm yeah, plant-powered. But I think it's, it's great to enjoy life, to enjoy the occasional treat, to celebrate with friends and family. It, I think it's great to feast. It is a human part of the human condition to get together and feast. But... If you're feasting every day, which is what most Americans do, <laughs> the way we eat, then yeah, the holiday parties, it's just, it's just more fuel on the fire. And so for me, what I try to encourage people to do is to adopt this, and I know you are too, we're in the same team here, but encouraging people to really make big shifts in their life. So, so they're eating super healthy and they're super health conscious, you know, 95% or more of the time. And so when you go to those parties, indulge. It's okay. You know, it's, it's not enough to hurt you if it's a couple percentage points of your diet. But the reality for most Americans is they're just eating unhealthy all day, every day. For your audience, you know, I think your audience is probably very health conscious. So I would just, just say, hey, and you know, enjoy the occasional treat. It's okay. It's going to be fine. Like anxiety and fear and worry don't do you any good. They just make you more stressed out. Yeah, it's like, don't judge yourself if you eat that piece of chocolate or whatever it might be. Enjoy it and love it and have gratitude for it. And that changes the way that your yes, body receives that's it. that's absolutely right. You know, and I think we also have to know our own limitations. So if you're the kind of person that like, if you eat chocolate, then the next day you're going to go like buy a case of ho-hos or something, then you probably shouldn't let yourself <laughs> have chocolate. <laughs> but if you know, like you can enjoy it, but you're not going to go like buy some in the grocery store tomorrow. Like, you're just like, mm, this was great, man. That was like amazing. That was an amazing piece of cake. 
right? It was great. But like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to start buying cake and eating cake every day. That's the way I look at it. I just, you know, yeah, I don't want to instill fear in people where it's, it's unfounded, right? I mean, we both know cancer is real. The risk is real. If you're serious about prevention and healing, you got to make massive changes, take massive action. But you need to do it from a position of faith and not fear. I like your style, Chris. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I, I feel pretty good about my style too. So it made me feel a little better about myself. I love your approach. Like that's, that's exactly, I think, right. You know, it's exactly right. Thank you so much, Chris. ChrisBeatCancer.com. He has so many amazing free resources. He's got a free guide if you know anyone who has cancer, been recently diagnosed. There's 20 questions for your oncologist. His new book, it came out, what, September, Chris? Yeah, on Christmas Day, it'll be uh, three months. Okay, great. So buy his book for yourself, for your loved ones. You can buy it on Amazon. Chris, anything else you want to leave us with? You know, I just want to say thank you so much for for having me on, for letting me share my story and connecting me with your audience. And uh, I just appreciate what you're doing. I'm so glad that there's more and more of us are spreading the message of health and healing and you know, helping people know that they have options, right? That you're not a victim of disease, right? That you have options. You, your choices matter. You can change your life. You can take control of your health and you'd be amazed what happens in your body and in your life when you stop making excuses and take the wheel. Absolutely. Your health is in your hands. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. Food Heals Nation, happy holidays. We're off next week. Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. We will see you in January. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Chris. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately.